The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to tape to the W2M Network for week seven, I think. Yeah, seven sounds right. Of the kickoff. Season 3. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening, everybody. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. Man, this weird day I've been having just keeps getting weirder. The co-host turned producer turned co-host turned producer, Brandon Biscoving. Yep, I just keep on... Going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the chairman of the W2M, oh wait, he's not here. Our best wishes are sent out to Jason Teasley, who's going through some personal stuff right now. We are hoping to have Jason back next week. Our what, thoughts what, are with you, buddy. What have been up with these last two weeks? Mercury is retrograde. And you see, Harry, you done up and did it again. I know what you're doing. What did I do? You, we talked about this. Yes, best wishes in everything, but there's a code that we use when this happens. Oh, God damn it. Jason Teasley's on assignment. Too late. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you of all people should know this. That's WWE uh, Talk 101. I'm tired. Leave me alone. <laughs> this is what happens when we start recording the show at 10 o'clock again rather than the 6 o'clock Thursdays that we have been doing recently. Anyway, we open the show how we always do. It's time for studs and duds. For the benefit of him not being here, Jason did pass along his stud and dud information, however. His stud for the week was Russell Wilson, who led the Seattle Seahawks to a 32-28 victory over the Cleveland Browns getting yet another fourth-quarter comeback for Wilson. So there you go with Wilson. Eric, you're up next. Stud? Now, I just got to say, especially since we're close to Jason's neck of the woods and it's pretty fitting, wide receiver Kagan Teets. He plays a high school out in West Virginia. Now, it's one thing when you make a one-handed catch against the defender. It's another thing when you make a one-handed catch against your defender's body while he's draped all over you. It's an entirely different thing that when you're trying to go ahead and score a touchdown, rather than refuse to be stopped at the five, you decide, I have had enough of this, and carry that defensive back those five yards into the end zone. I actually saw that clip on ESPN. He, like, physically, like, fall away, slam-lifted him and carried him into the end zone. Yes, and I am, like, if it wasn't for my stud, Stefan Diggs, and the game that he had proving me right in the mega parlay, which, Miami, why could you not do the same? I had faith in you. Technically, Miami covered. Yes, Miami covered, but I also picked them in a mega parlay to straight-up win. Granted, it was Canadian money. 
But still, <laughs> 1,800 maple leaves, 1,300 bald eagles, it's the same difference. Okay, to be fair, you you did it to yourself trusting Miami to yeah, get a victory. Really. No, no, All Here's right. my here was my thought process. Everything going on with the redacteds, firing the coach, quarterback carousel, everything going on with Daniel Snyder, plus just about everybody else winning titles in D.C. or getting to play for titles in D.C. except for Fucking them. Nationals. <laughs> you would think that this would be the one game where this team is so dysfunctional that Miami slips up and actually wins. They came close. Okay, to the reasoning behind your pick of Stefan Diggs for your stud for the week. Well, I, I mean, again, Minnesota, which I warned a guy, hey, you may want to pick Minnesota because Kirk Cousins in a 1 o'clock game and the fact that Stefan Diggs are trying to make him happy. Three touchdown catches, well over, what, 150 yards, give or take? I forget the final number. <laughs> well, I ask you this from Kurt Cousins' perspective. How do you like that? It was I like that when it's at noon central time. Get back to me when you can play like that at 425 for <laughs> 820 even. Eastern standard because it would be 325 and 720, 725. 720 standard yes. or central for the Sunday afternoon and Sunday night kickoffs. Brandon Stud. My stud for this week is Sam Darnall. Coming back after being out for, what, two weeks, three weeks uh, with an injury? Four. four okay, four. It, was, oh, it was four weeks. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, and then proceeding to throw thir- 338 yards and two touchdowns. And not only that, but beating the uh, the most hated of teams. The Dallas Cowboys. No, not the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys. They got three <laughs> back-to-back L's. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yes. I was just about to say that's spelled with three straight yeah, L's. Yes. So, uh, and Cow- once again showing that the Cowboys are all hype at the beginning of the season and no substance. Yes, Cowboy fans who were wondering why we weren't taking them seriously as a playoff contender. <laughs> now you know why. Exhibit yeah. A. Yeah, just to think, I had faith in Nolan. I thought, oh, this could be a nice cheeky wild card team. And um, yeah, prove my ass wrong. Why don't you? Well, in fairness, my pick for one of the wild card slots is one in five, Eric. So it's not exactly <laughs> like I'm walking on sunshine over here. Touche. I'll, I'll be talking more about the Cowboys later. <sighs> my stud physically pains me. Why don't you eat some of this Cajun fried gator to make you feel better? <laughs> it's delicious when it's well roasted, especially in the fourth quarter. See, you're lucky because I was nice to you. I, I told you Miami would beat Virginia, but I didn't pick it. I gave you guys an opportunity with my college pick, although my college pick covered anyway. But that's you, the point. you you bastards. Uh, I, I, I covered with you guys, but um, yeah. Yeah, technically, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Dun, 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 dun. Dramatic reverb. Thank you. <sighs> so for many years, it was thought that if you could put up 24 or more on the LSU Tigers, 
you would definitely beat them because they did not have an offense that could score more than 24 points. Ed Ogeron has decided that that does not work for him. And these LSU Tigers scored 42 points on Saturday evening, 8 o'clock Central Eastern. What did I say Central? You got me all screwed up here. 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN in a nationally televised game. And my Florida Gators take their first loss of the season to a very highly functioning LSU Tigers. Um, I said earlier that I, I, I said earlier that I thought Auburn would give Alabama fits this year. I may have had the wrong team in the West giving them fits. This LSU team looks legit. Well, that's because... Oh, go ahead. Wins over Texas and Florida now? Well, I I mean, if you think about it, Ed Orgeron is like, you know what? I don't know a damn thing about offense. Let me hand that over to someone else. And then Joe Burrow says, oh, this is a nice-looking Heisman Trophy. I'm going to see if I can win this damn thing. The rest is history. We now move over to Duds. And you ready for this one? Yes. Jason's, Jason's dud stat line. 30 of 54. 400 yards. And the touchdown pass. Traditionally not bad. Uh-uh. No, but I know where this is going. Until you couple it with the fact that Jameis Winston threw five interceptions in London. Uh, uh. <laughs> A career-high five interceptions, and he lost a fumble. Can't forget that. At least it wasn't a bug fumble. As the Carolina Panthers, led yet again by a pair of scores from Run CMC, took down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the battle for second place in the NFC South, 37-26. Six turnovers. Who does he think he is? Nathan Peterman? It came close. I'm like, wait a minute. When did Nathan Peterman get a tan? When was he wearing a box uniform? What? What is this? <laughs> I have I have officially decided to dub Jameis Winston Intercepticon Chapter Two. Intercepticon 2.0. Yes, that's better. Coming soon to WinRAR. <laughs> Eric. Dud. Just like I had an honorary stud, I've got an honorary dud. Comcast, there are times I love you. Yes, I pay you 300 bucks a month. Fairly fairly dutifully. Yes, you went ahead out of nowhere and increased my internet speed, which especially comes in handy because you know certain times late at night. When I happen to... Family show. (laughs) But... You really got to start getting your act together and getting a deal for the ACC network. Louisville, Wake Forest, one of those, the craziest game of the week. Wake Forest coming back from double digits, nearly tying the game or having a chance to win in the last minute or so. Cardinals winning 62-59. I couldn't see a second of it because it was on AACC network, which I do not get. As a Comcast subscriber. Here's my question. How many people in Winston-Salem that night thought they were going to go to a game and see a uh, see a basketball game break out? 
Well, how many people in Winston-Salem thought, oh, wow, we can actually go to 6-0 and this year? <laughs> I, that, that was, that was the, the thing for me. Like, I was updating my college football statistics, and there were four undefeated teams that fell from the ranks of the unbeaten this year. We have 12 undefeated teams left in um, F- FBS college football right now. The four that fell off of the wagon this this week were Florida. Another team we'll talk about later. I don't want to spoil anything. Dun dun dun. Dramatic reverb. Wake Forest and Memphis. One of these hmm. things is not like the others. <laughs> now, now your, your actual dud, Eric. My actual dud for an actual game that I actually oh. saw while getting my mom's car looked at. I really wish I had to pick them and are you serious? Because, yeah, I would have never seen Georgia, third-ranked team in the country, counting down to the cocktail party to a real battle in the SEC East, championship aspirations. Kirby Smart actually said something didn't look right. He knew in the warm-up against South Carolina they were going to struggle. Will Muschamp is like, I lose. I'm most likely fired. So what happens? They put together a great performance. Rodrigo Blankenship does his part in uh, not doing his job late in the game. And after a couple overtimes, the Gamecocks win in Athens, no less. Between the hedges, as they say. Mm-hmm. Georgia, really. I'm all set, paint my face, dye my hair. I look good in red and white. What's the point now? Y'all are just a bunch of duds. <laughs> this ain't happening. So now it's basically a case in the SEC East of who could potentially play spoiler to the SEC's chances of getting two teams in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Georgia losing to South Carolina is a bad loss, let's be honest. South Carolina was 2-3 and three coming into this game. Florida's loss to LSU isn't as bad, but if Florida still has to play Georgia and Alabama and or LSU again this season – it ain't looking good to be a Gator right about now. And I say that as a Gator fan. Realistically speaking, it's probably going to be champion only out of the SEC this year, especially with the way the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC are playing out thus far. If the ACC plays out the way it does. Well, yeah. I mean, in a bad conference this year, if Clemson loses, they're screwed. Yup. Because there is nothing else solidifying Clemson's schedule this year. All right, Wilford, we get it. Jesus. Yes, I know. You hate Bulldogs, too. That makes two of us. (laughs) Well played. Brandon (laughs) Dud. My dud for this week is the Los Angeles Rams. I will talk about their struggles, although one good thing about them later on. But I don't want to talk about that. But they but they managed to lose. Granted they are playing well, but they managed to lose to the 49ers at home and they fall to 500 
at 3-3. Three and three. And this was a team that a lot of people expected to be the cream of the crop in the NFC West, at least, if not potentially going to the Super Bowl once again. I'm like 90% sure I had them in my NFC title game. Mm-hmm. I'm, I believe, I'm pretty sure I, I think I had them in the Super Bowl. I'm 100% sure I had them in the Super Bowl. My Super Bowl prediction, I believe, was New England and New Orleans with New Orleans winning. I believe... Eric and I both had New England and uh, L.A. Yep, we did. All right. My dud for the week is Zach Brown. Those of you wondering who Zach Brown is, Zach Brown is a linebacker formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles. Formerly, you say? I do say, and here's why. Before the game, Zach Brown decided to reach out and take a shot at his former teammate with Washington, Kirk Cousins, saying that he didn't feel that Cousins was a viable NFL quarterback. Yeah. The the Minnesota Vikings then proceeded to put a beating on the Philadelphia Eagles this past Sunday, 38-20. And Monday... Zach Brown found himself out of a job cut by the Philadelphia Eagles. If that's not definition dud, I don't know what is. Well, I mean, maybe he could take over the guy and uh, it could still be the Zach Brown band. To, 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 to quote one, uh, one uh, very um, funny movie, how do you lose your job on your day off? <laughs> Technically speaking, it was his performance on his day working that cost him his job Fair on his enough. day off. Fair enough. Yeah, and that made me have to shuffle around one of my several fantasy teams. I'll talk about yeah. a couple of my fantasy teams later. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, he's not on the show, but uh, yeah, Jason, how do you like that beatdown this past week? And Harry, you're next. And your your league is freaking worked, man. You knew most of us couldn't draft properly, so you swooped in and took a good defense. It's your fault. I blame you. <laughs> well, yes, I know my defense. I blame you. How? It's your fault. And, and it was this league is geared towards defensive players, and you knew that we wouldn't be able to make the live draft. You suck. Anyway, <laughs> I warned you. All right, let's get back to. Let's get back to the conversation about the show itself here. So that's studs and duds for the week, and that's going to take us into our so that happened. Jason, does the conversation about Houston coach Dana Holgerson and one of his offensive linemen who took Holgerson to task, stating that Holgerson is basically encouraging the team to throw in the towel this year after their starting quarterback and starting running back both redshirted for the year. He's encouraged, according to the offensive lineman, I don't remember the kid's name, but... There's talk going around that Holgerson is telling his higher-level player to go ahead and just take the red shirt for the season. The season basically lost cause. Houston fell to 2-4 and four this past Saturday with a loss to the Cincinnati Bearcats. That's Cats with a C, not with a K. And more or less, things are all amuck in Houston with the Cougars. And Jason feels hilarious because Dana left West Virginia for this. I mean, that's more or less the gist of what J- Jason was saying. Eric? Now, 
for those of you who are sometimes like me, your Saturday nights don't go as planned. So you get the advantage of being up early Sunday morning. If you were up early this past Sunday morning, you got to witness an overall treat and what was Jameis Winston over in London. But did you happen to see the little extra that Carolina tried to do on the last play of the first half? Mm, no. Well, I guess that there's a little known rule. But it dates back a long time. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. I do remember this now. I thought that was at the end of the game. Nope. It can actually... Oh, okay. It was the end of the first half. Yep, it's the end of the first half. And it's a little known rule. Go ahead. Technically, the debate was going around. It's not just the end of the first half. You can realistically do it at any time. It just only makes sense to do it at the end of the half or the end of the game. Or if you're Joe Strong of the Green Bay Packers in November of 1933, you do it during the third quarter and you make a successful 30-yard field goal against the New York Giants. But that's beside the point. So what you're saying is the Giants were rumbling, bumbling, stumbling that day. Pretty much. Pretty much. Continue. Now, this stems from an old rule in rugby, the goal from Mark. Where you can take it by yourself. If you catch it, you feel you can kick it through the uprights. You can get your three points going about your merry way. Rugby Union discontinued that rule in the 70s. But the NFL let it live on. If you were to take a fair catch on a kickoff or a punt, and you think, you know what? We've got a decent shot at making this. You line up in kickoff formation. No T, you must have a holder. The defending team is at least 10 yards away from the spot. No rush. You go ahead and you take a crack. That's what Carolina did. But unfortunately, from what was that, like 62 yards? I think the yeah. official number was, was 64. 64. Oh, was it 64? Okay. I believe, si- the, I believe the official number was 64. Okay, had the distance, just not quite the accuracy as it shaved wide to left. And that's why I I saw that happened. I called it Pip-Pip Free Kick. It's kind of fitting that this happened in London, considering, you know, it's more of a rugby-style play. But again, they hadn't even seen that in 40 years because the rule was outlawed. So even the Brits in attendance were confused. Fair enough. Now, the now the question I have is, if he had made it, would mm-hmm. that have counted for the record? I feel like it... Well, it would have tied it because... Um, was it Praetors from 64? Yes. Okay, it was from 64. I always thought it was 63. The re- well, the record before Prater was 63 with Jason Elam. Mm. Um, Tom Dempsey. Yeah. The guy, yeah, the guy with half a foot. Yep. I forgot that Prater broke it. Yeah, Prater broke it in uh, Denver a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if they would have officially had a tie because it was not a traditional field goal. Because it was not in traditional field goal formation. 
Mm. Yeah, technically, technically, it would have been a term akin to soccer with a free kick. Yes. Mm. So, realistically speaking, I'm not sure that that would necessarily classify. No. All right, Brandon. So, that happened. My so that happened is talking about the Rams in two ways. One good, one bad. I'll start with the bad. News came out today that John Johnson, who was injured last week with a shoulder injury during the game against the 49ers, has been placed on injured reserve and will be out at least until week 9. So, big, or it, oh, excuse me, no, until almost the end of the season, until mid-December. Um, Minimum eight weeks yeah. once you're placed on a yeah. reserve. So, not until close to the end of the year, so he probably will be done for the remainder of the season. So, bit big hit for them in their secondary, but not the same position, but they do get a little help in the secondary in another way, as... Eric is oh so disappointed, but Jalen Ramsey got his wish, and he is headed to L.A. to the Rams. And watch, the Rams get it together, and they have another Jaguar who winds up winning a Super Bowl ring. Okay, but here's the thing. I don't think Eric is that disappointed here because of what the Jaguars are getting back from this deal. And it's 50-50. Yes, we got two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick. But at the same time, what good are those picks if I'm sitting here five years from now going through this exact same situation? (laughs) I mean, it's your team, man. You talk to them. Exactly. And that's why, as I have mentioned many, many times in multiple groups, Pretty much the entire division is almost entirely ignored because, well, you got a couple of pretty trash organizations, and I happen to root for one of them. So what does that tell me? We've gotten Eric started. Um, there was another part of the story that you were going to touch on as well. Um, I'm for he I'm, who he he who made room for Jalen Ramsey. Um. Crap, I remember you talking about it, but I forget who you were talking about. Marcus Peters? Oh, yes. Yes, getting traded to Baltimore Mm -hmm. in order to make room for Jalen Ramsey to have that top corner spot out in Los Angeles. So a very busy week for the Rams. Uh. One One could say that they were very, very active indeed. Okay, so my that happened is called a two-team uh, top ten two-conference turmoil. I believe is the terming I used. It was something similar to that. I don't remember the exact words, but it's. I'm actually looking for it now, so I can give you guys the proper phrase that I put inside. Of the top, top ten, ten two-horse race. Yes. So the latest ESPN AP top ten polls are out. And I know this early in the season, it's really no reason to put a whole lot of precedence into these, especially given the fact that we haven't even released the first college football playoff yet. But when I look at the when I look at the top ten right now, would you believe that seven of the top ten spots are accompanied by just two conferences? I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Four from the SEC, three from the Big Ten. 
I mean, Alabama, LSU, Florida, and Georgia, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State. I mean, it's not really all that surprising for a number of reasons. For one, the fact that, you know, uh, SEC always gets, you know, multiple top ten teams. Um, Big Ten has been growing over the past few years and always gets a lot. And like Eric mentioned earlier, it's a weak ACC season, so, you know, and then the Big 12 and Pac-12, you know, no one really cares about because they're out west. No, well, I mean, with the Big 12, you can make a similar argument. It's the top heaviness. Oklahoma, then a bit of a dip, then Texas, then a bigger dip, and then everybody else. Fair enough. Well, technically, there is still making noise in uh, the Big Big 12 that isn't named Oklahoma or Texas. Let's not forget that Baylor's 6-0. and And? Well, they haven't played anybody yet, but once they get a chance to play somebody, we'll see how legitimate they are this year as well. It, it, exactly. It's Baylor. The best thing they've got going for them is that Art Riles is still screwing up somewhere else, and they've got sweet uniforms. I mean, hell, do you when you hear the place Waco, Texas, do you really think of Baylor? <laughs> Let's leave the politics and the craziness out of this one <laughs> particular episode, shall we? Fair enough. Um, I mentioned that there are four SEC teams inside of the top ten. Only two other SEC teams appear in the top entire top twenty-five. Number eleven, Auburn, who's coming off of a bye. And at number 22, Missouri, who beat, shit, who did Missouri beat? I think Kentucky. I'm honestly, I'm honestly surprised. I mean, granted, you know, they'll probably fall down and, and lose this week, especially considering who they're playing this week. But I'm surprised South Carolina didn't at least get some votes. Uh, South Carolina's 3-3, three and three, Brandon. Fair enough, but it's still and a te- big win. We- in the uh, in the coaches poll, they actually did get three twenty fifth place votes. Huh. Wake Forest, Virginia, Memphis, and Texas A and M all dropped out of the top twenty five. So there would have been a seventh SEC team had Texas A and M. I mean, Texas A and M lost to Alabama, so I'm not really sure how much of a loss that was. Maybe it's the way they lost and the fact that they lost at home. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it's Texas A and M. My mean. Let's be real here. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap us up for So That Happened. And now we move on to I've Got a Question. Now, normally this works best when we have all four of us here because then I can split it off into one college question, one NFL question, one mixed question, and we can all kind of go back and forth. Since Brandon missed last week, I want to get Brandon's thoughts on a couple of the ones that we talked about last week real quick okay and then i actually i actually do have a fresh question for you guys okay all right brandon here's my i've got a question for you in regards to what we discussed last week while you weren't here okay most painful loss you've ever seen one of your teams suffer be it in person or watching on television is this only talking about football i mean we are a football show okay, fair enough um, oof. so no, Kansas beating Seton Hall's ass doesn't count. 
Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be too confident right now, considering Bill Self. <laughs> yeah, I know what I know what's going on in Lawrence these um, days. It's not looking th- pretty, and that's all I'll say now. Th- this is a tough one because you know the Giants haven't really had many very down seasons. Um. What are you talking about? You guys won two games like three years in a row. Well, yes, but but see, see, that wasn't very painful because you expected it. You you knew it was coming. Um, I think probably, I think probably overall, I think the one that uh, that bites the most was uh, what was it, two thousand eight or two thousand nine? Uh, when they made it to the playoffs, even after the whole Plaxico thing, and then proceeded to get dominated in, I believe it was the divisional round. And I think it was to the Packers. Eric, anything you can chime in here with? I mean, considering as how the Packers were one of the teams that you beat on that magical Super mm-hmm. Bowl run... And that image of Tom Coughlin and his cheeks being burned into my mind. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, and then another one, obviously, is is losing to the Ravens in the Super Bowl in 2000. Three touchdowns in the span of, what, a minute and a half? Boy, yeah, that was about. glorious. I even remember Kerry Collins wanting to name his dog Intercepted after that game. Uh, I lived in Maryland at that time, so it was, yeah. I'm sure you enjoyed that. Oh, I did in so many ways. I got nothing. (laughs) If I am not mistaken, next week is the week that the college football rankings start. Yes. (laughs) However, the polls have been coming out since the preseason. So my first question to you guys today on I've Got a Question is this. Ideally, what week would you like to see them start releasing top 25 polls? Brandon? If it, if it must matter um, – and they figure out a way to make it, you know, not biased, maybe week five, since that'll give you time to see where everyone's at and, you know, what teams are going to, are actually contenders as compared to the pretenders. Probably four, either weeks four or five. Eric. Well, to kind of clarify some things, it was 2008 divisional round, but you lost to the Eagles. Oh, okay. Oh, that's that's uh, that's even worse. Divisional loss. Oh, oh. Okay, continue, Eric. Okay, now that uh, Harry Dice Clay has left the building. Hey. <laughs> To, to me personally, I think we, especially with the possibly growing phenomenon slash train wreck slash dumpster fire slash smorgasbord that is week zero, I think week six is the right time. 
because you're roughly at the halfway point. And like Brandon said, you've got the contenders separated from the pretenders. You've gotten into conference play a little bit. A lot of your teams have, you know, your matchups against open date university or the fighting buys of bi-week state by then. So you've got Bedham much more of a sample size and a lot more data to digest to say, okay, what can we really put out? Who are really the 25 best teams and who really has the best shot? So week six, I think that's kind of about where it should start. Speaking of bye weeks, I am receiving word that despite the fact that the Raiders just had their bye week and already being suspended, Fontes Burfick was kicked out of the bye week game as well. <laughs> to the NFL. So the talk over the last couple of weeks, Eric actually talked about it in this show that happened with the pit-pit free kick. Jason brought it up with the Jameis Winston instance and the, the six turnovers, five of which were career-high leading in interceptions here. We're starting to see more and more of the London games creep into the throughout the season. These overseas games that expand the NFL into other markets that previously may have had things like World League or NFL Europe or what have you, but put eyes for people that aren't maybe necessarily familiar with the live presentation of the product. Buy or sell, and Eric, you'll go first here. Okay. Buy or sell that we'll see the NFL in other countries besides England and Mexico within the next five years. Canada doesn't count. Yeah, and the I'm going to sell, but the reason why I'm selling is that I think with the NFL's current timetable, five years is a little bit too ambitious. I think with the fact that since they got rid of NFL Europa, and they were even tentative as far as Mexico City, especially after the fireworks that happened that led to the other fireworks that happened in L.A., they're going to pick certain places that are at least semi-familiar, that have a pretty strong American football footprint. So they're going to take their time and really do this right. Now, if we were saying a decade, yes, I could see a couple of games in different parts of Germany, maybe the Netherlands, or even different things with Spain. If that stays held together, thanks to their issues. But for five years, I think the NFL is pretty content, especially because they potentially got bigger issues on their hands within that five-year window. Brandon, within five years, do we see an NFL game contested in a country other than the U.S., Mexico, or in England? How how long has this London deal been going on approximately approximately five or six years okay thereabouts i think i think i'm gonna agree with uh eric here that it probably won't quite be five years i don't know the numbers i don't know how much the pro the popularity has has grown uh in in England since this whole partnership has started. I don't know if they've been getting numbers that have been saying, hey, 
there are more NFL fans now in England. Um, the big issue that... Well, actually, not so much that way. Um, to an extent, yes. Um, it the, the time table... The, the timeline doesn't exactly work because, you know, yes, for the day games, you can easily watch those games if you're in England or if you're in Europe. But, you know, if you want to watch Sunday night, then you have to stay up until midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning over there. Um, that's not to say that people don't do it if they're big fans of it, but it it's going to make expanding and and doing more games over there even harder. And it's going to be even harder for the NFL if they do go further into Europe because that's another hour back. Well, forward, rather. So, well, back in, in our sense. So if you put a game on at, say, 2 o'clock over there, that starts at 8 o'clock here now. So, while, yes, they're trying to expand into these areas, they, you know, they still want a good product, and they probably wouldn't want, you know, both the viewership to be down here because of how early the games are starting, and also the players to be very fatigued because they're not used to playing at that hour. Um... I think they will try to do it eventually, try to go into, you know, Germany, Netherlands, whatnot. Um, but I think unless they really see a big boom in the popularity over these past five years, I don't think it'll quite be five years. I think I'll have to agree, agree with Eric that it'll probably be maybe ten. Our other question this week is going to come in terms of the XFL. With the XFL doing its player assessment draft, and we won't go into the details, we won't announce who all went everywhere. If you guys want to look that up, you're more than welcome to. There are plenty of places online that do it. It's looking more and more like a viable reality for the attempted start of a February 2020 season. Schedules have already been announced. Television partners have already been announced. Television broadcasters have even already been announced for the games as well on the various networks. Buy or sell. The success or lack thereof of the XFL could lead the NFL to creating an official minor league. Brandon? Um, see, the big issue with this, I don't think it's so much the XFL that is going to be the biggest detriment to it. It's going to be what comes of all of the uh, college legislation in terms of uh, players getting paid and whatnot, and them working uh, either with or, you know, going against the NCAA and changing the eligibility rules. Because, especially in football, football, I think, more than any other sport, and we've talked about it time and time again. Your lifetime in football is so limited because of the physical nature of it that players... I, I, I just don't know how a minor league system is going to work um, in the NFL because 
Yeah, like they they kind of had one by proxy in the AAF, Eric. Well, they really did because the AAF was set up as a developmental league. Plus, when they took over control of the WLAF and made it NFL Europe, that was their minor league, their developmental league in Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The reason, the reason why I'm going to go ahead and buy this, similar to. As you had mentioned, with the eligibility and everything going on, as further states pass different legislation for collegiate athletes. Rumors are there are several more states that are actually considering it in addition and, to and, California and New York. And, and I saw something come up on my phone through ESPN earlier today that there are several representatives and senators in the in the U.S. Congress that, is ta- that are talking about getting something on the floor. Exactly. So look at what the NBA kind of did to get ahead of it with the similar thing going on in basketball. Mm. We know the eligibility rules in basketball are going to change. So what are we doing? We have our minor league, the G League. We are going to strengthen it because if there's more viable opportunities... We can keep these players and things in-house. Now, with you have guys, even now, leading to go to the NFL sometimes a year earlier than they should, if things don't change right away in the collegiate landscape with this legislation as far as the Fair Pay to Play Act, because remember, that's not even due to take effect until 2023. So there's a lot of time with these recruiting classes. Mm. The NFL can keep their eligibility rules as is for the NFL. But if they decide to create a minor league, which I think they will, for all these students that want to leave early, going athletes say, okay, you've still got to be tested, but we're going to have this opportunity for you. That way you don't try going elsewhere, especially if the XFL takes off for the NFL. Instead of waiting until preseason for different rules, you can try it with your minor league. Hmm. If you have stars like that, you can market. You can have restrictions for how long that you can be in this minor league. There's a lot of things with infrastructure that you can do. And even then. More guys for the practice squad who aren't seeing playing time, they can play in that minor league as well, and you can work out deals with NFL contracts, one- and two-way deals, like you're seeing in the NBA, like you have in Major League Baseball, like you have in the NHL, and you can fit the mold of those sports. So they're going to look at this and find a way to do it right, and I think inevitably, especially with the CBA, it's going to come soon. I think that's the one thing, that's the one reason that I would like to see this happen is what you mentioned before just a little while ago about the rule changes. It it seems like every year we have another ridiculous rule change and every year there's a growing pain throughout the preseason and the beginning of the regular season, as we'll talk about more later. Um, and... It, and, it hurts, and it hurts the product as a result. 
So if you had that opportunity where you make the rule changes, you know, right after the Super Bowl, you do the whole rules committee, and then implement those rule changes into the developmental league and have your refs, you know, testing it out and you're able to analyze it without it mattering nearly as much as it does in the regular season, that would help the league a lot. See, I think there's a marketplace for year-round professional football. Oh, there definitely Absolutely. is. Absolutely. The AAF, for as maligned as it was business-wise, by and large it was agreed that the product was more or less watchable. Mm-hmm. That's the XFL is... The X- the Go XFL ahead. is going to find itself in a similar situation where if the product is watchable, people will watch because Americans love football. That's the only issue that I find, though. Um, now, granted, we've never really seen it go, you know, every 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 potential offshoot football league, at least in recent history, has only lasted one year. So we haven't really seen it on a sustained level. But the one issue that I see in terms of the ratings... Now, granted, you're probably not going to expect to get the same sort of numbers as you do for the NFL, obviously. But the one problem that a lot of people... Not so much about the AAF. I didn't hear it as much. But back with the original XFL, it was oh, you know, these are basically, you know, the scrubs. These are the guys that, you know, weren't good enough to make it to the NFL, so it's a lesser product. Um, That's going to be the one thing that any, any league, especially if it is being labeled as, you know, the NFL's minor league, that's going to be something that, they're going to have to figure out a way to uh, promote to where it's not seen as, you know, lesser than. See, I think if you're announcing in advance that it's a developmental league into the National Football League, then fans' expectations will be set realistically through that. Fair yeah, because they, they made that announcement with the AAF. They said, we're, part, we're trying to partner with the NFL we're trying to use this. We're getting guys that were drafted, you know, bench guys, practice squad, whatever, to try to use it as a developmental league for an avenue to get back into the NFL. Fans understood that. They saw the differences. And even then, there is some technology that the AAF had, like the Sky Judge, that's been bandied about for the NFL, especially after Monday night. So there's definite benefits more so than the drawbacks. Mm. The reason why the original XFL didn't work is because it wasn't seen as a developmental league. It was seen as a gimmick. So what did everybody do? Everybody treated it like a gimmick. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. But there were people, I remember reading stuff about people saying, you know, oh, it's it's not as good of quality of football. Um but the the main thing about any sort of uh developmental league or whatnot is just 
gonna be to, you know, get the talent in there. Alright, let's go ahead and move on here. We can talk more about this too. And we also have to come to a, a collective decision as the group as well as to whether or not we're going to try to cover the XFL here on the kickoff. I know Jason and Eric have plans, but Black I, I don't Irish, know. February 8th, 2020, or thereabouts, just saying. But the, we haven't decided whether or not that the attempt to take the kickoff year round is going to go through or not. We'll let everybody know how that turns out. Let me just say right, one let's more move thing. On here. Let me just say one more thing real quick. If they were to do a developmental league, they'd need for multiple reasons, they'd need to put it in cities that do not have NFL teams. See, I disagree with that. I think if you put it in cities that do have NFL teams, you'll have a fan base that's already accustomed to going to games. Do a mixture. Fair enough. Some with, yeah. some without. All right, let's move on here. Um, I'm a survivor continues now. Nobody has, nobody, well, nobody lost this past week. All four of us picked different teams. All four of us were correct. Jason actually probably pulled the biggest win off. Picking Washington and Washington doing what they did. I mean, I didn't see Washington doing what they did this past week. <sighs> but um, Washington beating Miami. I picked New England over the Giants. I felt that was a fairly safe pick. Um, although for about for most of three quarters, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Credit where it's due. The G-Men showed up for the first three quarters. Mm -hmm. They were just absent for the fourth. Uh, Eric picked Green Bay. We'll talk about that game in a few moments. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. And yeah, I may or may not um, have some people to thank and or checks to write. Yeah, you. Oh, you most certainly like, do. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like Eric somehow magically transported from Jacksonville to Lambeau on Monday. Look, I look good in black and white. You can hardly tell. I'm just saying. And Brandon picked Baltimore over Cincinnati, which is about as close to a lock in the NFL as you're going to get these days. Although Cincinnati did keep it somewhat close at 23-16. Mm -hmm. So this week's I'm a Survivor sees Eric actually going for the lead. Eric tied myself and Jason with four straight correct picks by picking Green Bay last week. I'll let you read into that whatever you want to. Again, we'll talk about it more in a few seconds here. But Eric now has an opportunity to take over the best record in I'm a Survivor by getting a fifth straight pick correct. Jason has picked New England. Shocker. I believe they play the Jets. Yes, they do. They do on Monday night. Okay, who the fuck thought that was a Monday night football game? Tom oh, Brady be, versus Sam Darnold. And, and, and Le'Veon Bell. The Jets are one in four. Jets are going to Jets. It's a good Monday night. It, it's a good Monday night game for week seven. I, I remember Regardless, someone. Jason, I remember someone thought the Jets were going to actually be good this year. And I just said it's the Jets. I don't think he's here tonight to defend himself. No. No, no, I am. There's another team that I thought could sneak into a wild card. And then Sam Darnold 
which I say time and time and again, look, if you're going to delve into my level of seediness, you really got to up your game. You can't go around getting mono. <laughs> Let the record state, Mr. Darnell, that condoms are your friend. <laughs> and don't open mouth kiss a prostitute. Just saying. <laughs> Unless you pay extra for it, because I mean, deep French kissing. Let me tell you a few things. Under the right oh, circumstances, you, you, you family. Okay, I, f- I feel like that's officially been covered. Let's move on. Um, so Jason's I'm a survivor pick is New England over the Jets on Monday night because he likes making my life difficult and having to wait to Monday to update these things. Brandon, who you got? Um. I've got the team that just uh, squeaked by getting their first win, getting their sixth loss this week, and the 49ers maintaining their undefeated record against the hapless Redskins. Hey, hey, hey. Yes? Try that again, okay, good sir. Okay, sorry. The hapless Redacteds. Thank you. On a related note, Jason Teasley is on assignment. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me, Eric. I heard that. Oh, God. See, that, I'm not saying anything. I'm just not going to let that go. <laughs> oh. All right, Eric, who you got? Now, there, there's a certain divisional matchup going on, and there's a certain opportunity for me to pick a team that I may or may not be uh, willing to pick again this season. But I think after everything that happened, after the last minute where there really was no more Fitz magic, there will be no one, no one, I tell you, that will circle the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. It's beautiful. Yeah, we're playing the Dolphins on Sunday. If we don't win this game, we don't deserve to be where we I, are. In the- I decided not to. But because of how well know, well known the Bills are for circling the wagon and winning games they're they're not supposed to and losing games that they're supposed to win, I was so tempted to pick the Dolphins as my Are You Serious for this week, but then I decided against it. And Brandon would be kicked off of the show. See, I try to keep friends on here. I have a weird way of doing it, but it works. <laughs> Alright. Uh, my official pick for the week is I am officially giving up hope on Dan Quinn and the Atlanta Falcons. Congratulations, buddy. Your hot seat is now nuclear. You are seriously lucky if you make it to the midway point of the season. The Los Angeles Rams, minus Jalen Ramsey, minus Los Angeles Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) We should really start calling him that on the show now. Let's not. It's the Ramseys. (laughs) Poor poor Eric. It's the Los Angeles Ramseys now. On the plus side, Eric, you guys should pick up a win against Cincinnati this week. If only you could tell the blank stare that I have on my face right now. I know we should. But the Jaguars are also good at circling the wagon. Exactly. And speaking... Not to mention, 
we're in October. We're getting close to Halloween. This is a dangerous time of year for Florida, man. Very dangerous. Uh, speaking of wagon circling, another team that fits that bill is most definitely Cincinnati. I take you once again back to January 2018. <laughs> Regardless, I'm picking the Los Angeles Ramses over the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, Brandon, remember that advice that I was going to give you when you were asking me about that particular situation? Yeah, I'm keeping this in mind. Wait, I'm confused. We'll talk later. Someone was coming to me for uh, some little job advice, if they remember correctly. Yes. Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Now, now he's now he's gonna hate all of us. <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's let's move on here. So that's your I'm a survivor picks for the week. Oh wait, no, it's not. Did you change your pick, Brandon? No. Who did you pick again? I picked the 49ers. Did I ask him about the... I don't remember discussing the 49ers. Uh, I think I may have... I'm pretty okay, sure... Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that because he saw that I already took your bills. Yeah. But I don't think we actually discussed the fact that he was taking the 49ers, so that doesn't wrap up our uh, I'm a survivor for the week. Why are you taking San Francisco? Oh, wait. Because they're playing the red, the redacted. That's right. Yeah, the whole redacted con. Okay, I'm clearly half out of it. <laughs> you're you're out of it, dude. I'm I have to say, I don't remember sending you any of the edibles either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and take a quick second. We'll pause here for a few seconds. We'll be right back after these lack of commercial messages. To our friends Mark Radulich and Jesse Starcher for hosting our show last week, last minute. Uh, a big shout out to them. Big thank you to them for hosting us there. Show still syndicated on the W2M network as well. We are back on the W2M network tonight, obviously, as part of the W2M network online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find our friends Mark Radulich and Jesse Starcher by searching for Rattledge in Broadcasting on Facebook and searching on Speaker for Rattledge in Broadcasting for their original channel. And you can stream most of their content on the same channel you're listening to the kickoff one right now as they have a partnership with the w Network as well. See? Commercial. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Well done. Not to mention kind of back covering our asses a little bit. Because why not, right? Fair enough. All right. I don't have a get it together for Teasley. So I'm just going to assume that he would say that the Giants need to get it together after their fourth quarter performance. That feels like a Jason thing to say. Well, he also did bring up that stat with what happened with the Cowboys against the Jets. Yeah, but I don't think he's the only one picking Dallas for get it together, though. I know I'm not. Maybe he is then. So maybe he did pick. Actually, I think he did pick Dallas eventually to get together. Yeah, because I'm do not. Do you happen to have? Do you happen to have that meme in front of you? The uh, the statistic meme that he that he shared in the chat. 
I'm pulling it back up, but I do remember it was with the Cowboys getting 25 first downs, having the time of possession that they go. The advantage. Yes, when teams win the time of possession, total yards, turnover battle, pick up 25 first downs, and convert at least 10 or more third down attempts, NFL teams under those circumstances are 90-1 and one since the 1991 season. That one was the Cowboys. This past Sunday against the JE, yeah, you're not getting me to do that garbage. All right, let's move on to the people that are on the show for now. We miss you, Jason. Enjoy your assignment. We hope you're back next week. Eric, get it together. You know, there's a coach in the Pac-12 that I like. I think he got a raw deal at his last job. I'm all a big fan of finding your inner pirate and unleashing and going off on weird tangents for an hour and a half from quarterback meeting. I get it. But um, when you're not having that good of a season, and you're pretty much calling out your own team, saying they were fat and whatever, after you lose, and this was after the whole thing that was UCLA, nah, this doesn't 100% sit right with me. Mike Leach and Wazoo, y'all need to get it together. I mean, thank you for giving us Gardner Minshew, but good sweet Lord, this ain't cutting it. It's not. Not now. Arizona State 38, Washington State 34. You know, for as pesky as those Sun Devils have been to me this season, fucking up Michigan State season and all. Don't you mean forking? No, I meant what I said, but yes, that would have been funnier. <laughs> Freaking Sparky's actually doing really well this year. What are they now? Five and two? Four and two? Herm Edwards is coaching to win the games. What can you say? You played to win the game. I've heard that somewhere before. <laughs> uh, y'all going to give me an aneurysm. All right, let's move on here. Brandon. Speaking of uh, aneurysm. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm going to give you even more of one. Or better yet, the refs gave you gave us all one this past Monday night. Um, have they not heard of the, uh, the term, uh, let the play go when it's a close game? You're not the center of attention, Mr. Ref. Or 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 is uh or are the Packers getting almost as good at the as the Patriots are at uh, influencing things? Your call on now, now. Go ahead. It's your call on which one you believe it is, but oh my! Or or is it just the the you know what of of football and and the world as we know it? Um, yeah. This was completely inexcusable. Two absolutely horrendous calls of hands to the face on the Lions, which gave the Packers two huge first downs, which eventually led them to kick the game-winning field goal at the end of the game. Put, Put the whistle 
in your pocket. And NFL, stop making football. I'm not going to say it. I'm, they're going to make me say something I'm going to regret. Look, now, 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 let's just calm down just because there was someone in Vegas who happened to put down a $185,000 bet on the money line and the fact that he or she or they knew that in the past three games that Cleet Blakeman and his crew refereed these games that the pack the Packers usually went on to win, that doesn't mean that anything shady whatsoever is going on. So let's just calm down, bask in the fact that I'm still on the island and can go for the lead and I'm a survivor, and let's enjoy ourselves. Either that or whoever the uh, official was that threw those two flags is officially now the Rod Zapata of the NFL. And yes, your gift baskets are in the mail. I went with a decent edible arrangement because I'm on a budget. But just saying, that's entirely unrelated. I'm surprised Harry didn't um, didn't uh, say anything to my reference there. Rod Zapata. Yes. Really? Yes. Because you're gonna he... make us talk about the hell on the cell finish. It's the same thing. They're both, you know what? It starts with a P. It's not. Yeah, uh, it's, it's very similar. Not it's very because similar. one was a referee stop. One was a referee stoppage. The other was a referee in, in a fuckery. Match that's supposed to not have any referee interference. Okay, here's the deal, zebras. I'm gonna try to keep this as PG as possible, and frankly, anybody who knows me knows that that's difficult under the best of circumstances. There is absolutely no excuse for the outright dumbassery we've seen from the officiating crews this year. There is absolutely no excuse for these games to be being made as much about the referees as they are about the players on the field. There is absolutely no excuse for these games almost every single week. Games, multiple, plural, coming down to either bad officiating calls or non-officiating calls. You know what I say we do? I say we get rid of this stupid replay system. You know who I think we have control of the replays, Eric? Who? The announcers in the TV booth, because they get the best views of everything as it's happening mm-hmm. anyway. Well, well I, I, I agree with that in a lot of ways, and that's why I say go do what the AAF did, get Sky Judges. Because if you're going to make it come to the point of actually making games not able to be watched because of the downright disturbing amounts of blown calls throughout the course of these games, then you're going to do nothing but drive your fan base away from the game. And it's a very bad look, especially when the refs just got a new CBA themselves. But... I, I, I on a related on a on a on a related note to that CBA, I understand that that particular officiating crew has also signed a three-year contract with the Packers. <laughs> now, 
Man, I wonder what that'll do to their cap space. Not not to bring up mm. the comparison. You don't want to know. <laughs> not not to have to bring up the comparison I made before. But the NFL and that other organization have have a very similar stance on this whole thing. They think we're all dumb sheep who because it's the, you know, at, at least for the NF in the NFL's case, the only product in, on the market right now, um, they think no matter how 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 much we mess up the game, no matter how much we destroy the foundation of the game, no matter how un- unwatchable we make it, you will still watch because it is your Sunday tradition. And unfortunately, they're probably right. I mean, at certain times, that's why I like the overall experience. Yes, going to games themselves is a bit cost prohibitive, but I do count down, look forward to watching Red Zone. I get to sit and park and watch for seven hours. But at the same time, if there's other stuff that I'm intrigued in and the games are pretty much kind of bleh, and I'm doing like this as show prep, so that way discuss big moments and things on the show. But other than that, I could catch up on other things, and sometimes I do. And I'm sure I'm not alone in this mentality, but if this mentality grows, and if the NFL at some point finally sees a hit to their wallet, that's about the only time things are going to change. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, again... I hate to say it, but give it another 10 years and we're going to be talking about gang flags on these players. That's how bad it's getting. Personally, I think with having it in more of a flag system would have a lot more different trickeration and things like that. So I, for one, would actually welcome that sort of a change. I welcome our new flag-throwing overlords. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not flag throwing. Flag wearing. Flag wearing. Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, look how how look how much the game has changed in terms of the physicality over just the past five years. Okay, but you can't sit here. You know, this is a debate for an entirely different show. Because yeah, because I wouldn't be willing to go that far, but I will say, keep an eye on leagues like the A7FL. It can work. All right, let's go ahead and move on here. Um, I actually have a, I have a get-it-together of my own here. Or, Eric, you know what, Eric, why don't you go ahead and go first here? I just... Yeah. Oh, Washington, Washington State. God. <laughs> Man, I would love to have whatever you had because it is hitting you hard, and I could use it right now. Okay, let let me state for the record here that I almost fell asleep watching NXT, and I'm, like, barely awake right now. Like, I'm playing a game on my tablet to try to keep myself awake. 
because I can feel myself crashing over here. So I'm trying to stay awake. I apologize, everybody. I know I'm a little bit off tonight. I think part of it is is not having the full crew kind of throws off my performance as well. I don't have everybody to bounce off of like I normally would. See, Jason, Again. get your ass back from assignment <laughs> when you're feeling better because we need you. <laughs> Code for, yeah, I clearly fucking suck, apparently. <laughs> I wasn't saying that. You were. <laughs> I, and, and I did because I am, and I apologize. All right, let's, let's go ahead and try to move forward here. Hopefully I can. We'll see. Maybe. I can only imagine the title to this episode. <laughs> you know who my you know who my get it together is tonight? Me. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, seriously though, my get it together goes to the great people of the area of Los Angeles, California. And I don't mean the Los Angeles Ramses. Sorry, Eric. That's a thing now. <sighs> Brandon, I'm going to remember this, especially wasn't Tori seeking some job advice, too? Well, it's not his fault that I'm the one that's still bringing it up. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he started it. <laughs> I, was just, I, was just, I was just reporting on some news. But you did start it. You're guilty! All right, let's move on. Fine. <clears throat> Anywho. Um, I'm actually going to talk to the AFC counterpart in Los Angeles here, the Los Angeles Chargers. You know how hard it is to not say San Diego still? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tricky even for me. <laughs> Old habits die hard, and especially on a day where I'm clearly tired as is. It's going to be weird not saying Oakland for the Raiders next year. I'm never going to get comfortable citing the fact that Las Vegas has a professional team. Oh, I will. It's not going to happen. I, I, I think it's a terrible idea, but that's beside the point. We think the refereeing is bad now. That's beside the point. Speaking of things that are bad, let's talk Chargers fan, fan base, shall we? Segway! I'm going to give myself credit for that one because hmm. that was actually not bad. No, it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. That was a good one. Send it. Sunday night football was in the greater Los Angeles area again as the Chargers played host to the then 1-4 Pittsburgh Steelers. The Chargers were 2-3. and three. The Chargers needed this game in order to, well, as it would turn out, move to just a game behind the Kansas City Chiefs after they had just lost to the Houston Texans earlier in the day. That stadium was 75% Steelers fans. Well, that's because the Chargers fan base was rightfully where they felt they should be. San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's, that's well played. We, we had a big debate about this in the group chat, and I actually kind of want to bring that debate to the conversation here. And the debate that we had is that despite Los Angeles being as big as it is, despite New York being as big as it is, should any one city have two professional sports teams in any sport? And I'm saying that this right here can be cited as a reason why it's, they should not. Because it is absolutely ridiculous that you would have a city as big as Los Angeles with as many people there that are there, and yet for them to be so thoroughly outclassed at home by the opposing team's fan base. Eric, I know you had some relatively strong feelings on this topic, so I'm going to go ahead and let you discuss your thoughts here first. Absolutely, because, I mean, historically, let's look at it. We talked about with everything with Oakland. 
The A's were originally in Oakland. Before that, they were in Kansas City. And before that, they were in Philadelphia. Why did they not? Why did they not stick around in Philadelphia? Everybody was zoning on the Phillies. Why did the St. Louis Browns move to Baltimore? Everybody was in on the Cardinals. I mean, plus you had the Raiders and Rams coexisted in LA back in the 80s and early 90s. But most of Los Angeles County, as you've seen in that culture, they were all for the Raiders. That's why the Rams eventually moved south to Anaheim. And then eventually to St. Louis again. And now back. Although, let's face it, they started in Cleveland, but even in the late 30s, Cleveland was so bad, nobody cared. (laughs) So, but, but this is my case in point. The fact that I, for one, am of the mindset that for a league as a whole, your point of diminishing returns really gets to 16 teams. And I think anything beyond 24 is just kind of greedy. But yes, spread them out so that we have more for the different cities so every fan base can attach to one. Look at New York. I mean, you've got so many different clusters between your hardcore Knicks fans and then everybody in Brooklyn and the NBA, your hardcore Yankees fans and the Mets who admit that they're just shambles of themselves. And that's even before we're talking with the NFL. So to me, yeah, one is enough because you can divvy up that pie amongst the different leagues rather than just different teams in the same league. You're still going to get your money. That's my biggest thing, too, is having multiple teams in the same sport in the same city. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with the fact that there are certain cities that have a team in every major sport. If they can support a team in every major sport, New York can support a team in every major sport. Giants or Jets, kind of take your pick, whatever. Knicks, uh, Rangers or Islanders, more so the Rangers. It's more of a Ranger city, especially since the Islanders are on Long Island anyway. But And then the Mets and the Yankees in baseball. Historical franchises can stay as they are. I'm fine with that. But when you have a situation like it is in Los Angeles now where you had the Chargers come up from San Diego and you had the Rams come back from St. Louis putting two teams into a market that has proven it can barely support one at times, then it just seems to be counterproductive towards creating the atmosphere that you want to create in an NFL game in the first place. See, I have Brandon, a- I know that you're going to make this about – I know that you're going to make this about money because that's no, kind of what you do. No, I'm not. No, because I have a very unique perspective on this that neither of you guys have because I lived in the, you know, mecca of dual team dual team sport in one city, uh, you know, because New York has multiple teams in every sport. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know... If you if you have enough people and enough of a fan base for that sport overall, then it can definitely work. New York, for example, you can easily do it, and and it gets see New York is so unique because it gets split up through the territories within New York. You know, Yankees is Manhattan and the Bronx and and parts of Jersey. Uh, the Mets are for Queens, Long Island, Brooklyn, Staten Island, and parts of Jersey. 
uh, you know, you have a very distinctive split up within, like, especially for hockey. You know, you've got Long Island for the Islanders, Manhattan for the Rangers, and then Jersey for the Devils. If you have enough fans that you can support each team, then it works perfectly fine. New York, perfect example. They can do it. Chicago, perfect example. North side is the Cubs. South side is White Sox. Simple deviation, and it works. L.A., we've seen it already. We've seen that, you know, at least for football, for whatever reason, football is not popular enough in L.A. to support two teams. Basketball it is. You've got Lakers and, and Clippers. They they work fine. Even, uh, I mean... Well, more more so with the Clippers now that the Clippers have actually been good in recent well, years. But, see, that's but the before then, it was definitely a Laker town. Well, no, of course. And that's going to happen. In each city that has multiple teams there's going to be that split between the haves and have-nots. And the more casual fans of that sport are going to are gonna sway in whichever way that it goes. Like, for, for example, for myself, because I haven't really been a die-hard Knicks or Nets fan at any point in my life, I've kind of swayed between the two at times. And... But if you have a big enough fan base, then it can work. You know, yes, the Lakers were the predominant team in L.A., but the Clippers still obviously had their fans, um, and they were able to survive through that. Um, So if you have the fan base to do it, it certainly can work. Um, You just, especially for L.A., they just need to realize that no no matter how big it gets, for whatever unknown reason, L.A. is just not a football city, and it never will be. No, no, I'm actually going to disagree with that specifically for L.A., and I think the reason L.A. kind of gets a bad football rap is because of ownership. This dates back to Al Davis moving the Raiders to L.A., and then all of a sudden, randomly, or at least semi-randomly, leaving. That's like the Rams. Very content in L.A., successful in L.A., and I'll get to some of the history in a second, but then ownership moves them to St. Louis. Now, for the Chargers, who were only in L.A. for a year before moving in San Diego, now you're screwing over one fan base, and putting into an entire fan base that was never familiar with them. Mm. L.A., and I'm not even just talking with USC, because let's face it, even in UCLA's best years, it was all, L.A. was always a USC town. Mm-hmm. Look at how they packed the Coliseum for games. But do you know the first team to ever televise their games fully in the NFL? Was it the Rams? It was. 1951, and it got to the point to where it was too successful because the entire 52 season, they sold out the Coliseum. 
You had a lot of pretty great teams with stars. Norm Van Brocklin, who still holds a single-game passing record. This was a team that was scoring 40 points in a single quarter at times. L.A. came out and supported them in droves, even all the way through the 70s in the Roman Gabriel years, when they, over a tiebreaker, won the division against the Baltimore Colts and almost got to the Super Bowl themselves in the late 60s. So, L, you need not just a big enough fan base, but you need the right ownership to capitalize on that fan base and not screw them over. And I really think for the past 25 years or so, L.A. hasn't had that. Fair enough. I feel like I learn something every week on this show with him. (laughs) Seriously, dude. You're welcome. He he is our football encyclopedia. (laughs) Absolutely. Available for children's parties online. <laughs> um, uh, I don't think they want him for children's parties. No. Well, it depends the if there's there's depends if there's milfs there. <laughs> no, he he he's available for children's parties for for statistical facts. He's available for the after parties for family show related activities. Fair enough. How's that? Fair enough. There you go. All right. And after said statement, I feel like there's only one thing I should ask myself right now. Am I serious? And are you serious as well? All right, so updated season standings since this is an odd week. We do standings on the odd weeks. Every two weeks, we like to update the standings here. I thought Uh, they were the even weeks, but I guess technically this might be an even week. It's it's. Yeah, the last week was an even week, which means we give the updates on the odd weeks. I did. The first update came after week two. The second one was after week four. This is week six's update for week seven. Okay. All right. Carry on. Straight up, I have the lead. I have five. Five and seven straight up for me. Four and eight for Brandon. Two and ten for Eric. One and eleven for Jason. Still not in the basement. Baby steps. Against the spread, well, Florida kind of gave Brandon a little bit of an advantage in the season-long statistics here. Oh, thank God. Brandon is 8-3-1. I'm 7-5. Eric is 5-7. Jason is 4-8. Jason had a really bad week against the spread this past week. He picked Sparty, who got shut out by Wisconsin, and he picked the Giants, who collapsed in the fourth quarter against New England. Jason's picks for this week, with an honorable mention to, um, what was it, Washington beating Oregon? I believe so. Yes. U-Dub over Oregon, but the line was only five, so he couldn't pick it because both teams are ranked. With an honorary mention for him to UW over Oregon, his official pick is also in the Pac-12 because apparently he likes football after dark. Arizona plus 10.5 against USC. I'll give his NFL pick once the NFL picks come up. Let me go next since I'm also in the Pac-12. You might as well. Uh, I have Arizona State over Utah. 
I mean, with the way that Herm Edwards has the Sun Devils playing, I wouldn't be surprised. They really forked up Washington State. There you go, Eric. There's your reference. And, Thank and, you! And the fact that, <laughs> let me see how much I'm getting. Uh, yeah, I'm getting 14. I don't think Utah's that good. I think USC proved that. Mm-hmm. These Pac-12 teams are going to end up beating each other up here, and the one that ends up making the uh, the one that ends up making the New York Six New York Six is going to end up stuck in the Cotton Bowl. New Year Six. New. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, they deserve to go to New York. They're going to end up in the Pinstripe Bowl. Fuck oh, it. God. <laughs> Actually, that's where Miami might end up. Oh, don't remind me. All right, so since since Jason and Brandon are in the Pac-12, I'm going to go ahead and be American. No, literally, I'm going to be in the American Athletic Conference. It is an unranked overranked special. I'm also covering the line in this game. Temple plus seven and a half over SMU. I, I, was, I, I, I was considering that one. I don't want it to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me because I like SMU, especially, you know, the days of the Pony Express and the death penalty mm-hmm. and June Jones. I really want to see them back, but the American is just weird. That conference is on drugs most week. Let's be honest. True. Very true. Not as I mean, bad just as the Mac, though. Yeah, don't get uh, me started on that. Yeah, that didn't work out so well for you this past weekend, Eric. Damn me and picking my maxion. Oh, no, no. I've After so many episodes of Bad Beats, I should have known better. Oh, when will you learn, Squid? When will you learn? Do, 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 do. All right, so I'm in the American. Those two are in the Pac-12. Let's go over to the ACC for Eric's pick. Why is, it appro- why is it appropriate that you're in the ACC? Well, because there's one legitimate team playing, and then there's about 13 others who, yeah, they have no clue what they're doing, and it makes for some interesting action. However, the one team that's supposed to be legitimate, if they have had a tough go of things the past couple of weeks. And for the game that I was not able to see, because, again, Comcast and Xfinity really need to get it together with the ACC network. I don't have a 100% good feeling about this. I've seen Clemson. Louisville, to their credit, is a lot better than people think. Taking advantage of the chaos that is just as much in the ACC Atlantic and is 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 in the coastal. That spread, even with Clemson being Clemson, is way too big. If Clemson goes ahead and pulls this off, it's redemption, and the ground gets a little bit more stable. But if they don't, then those question marks are going to start rearing their heads even more. And as a lot of people are dropping down Clemson farther in their pools than I'm sure a lot of people would like to see. Louisville plus 24 and a half. That to me just screams something. 
I think the Cardinals can at the very least cover. I don't think they're good enough to win, but after what they did to Wake Forest, it's going to be interesting. Clemson looked really good against Florida State, but as you said in the group chat, it's Florida State who hasn't looked good against them. Exactly. Willie, you talk about Tina coaches surviving the season. Willie Taggart, anyone? Yeah, that dude's going to be back at a mid-major before he can say mid-major. <laughs> we move over to the National Football League where Jason has the Baltimore Ravens plus three and a half over the Seattle Seahawks. I admit that I looked at that game, but the fact that it's in Seattle made me shy away from it. That was, that was going to be my second pick behind the one that you have. I had to go all the way down to my third. Well, maybe you should get your picks in sooner. Fair enough. My pick that Brandon is bitching about is the New Orleans Saints plus three at Chicago. I, I guess that depends on which Teddy Bridgewater shows up. What? What is yeah. it? Let, let me just ask real quick: Is there this much parity in the NFL this season that there have hardly been any big lines this season? At least the last like two weeks. Last like four weeks. I don't well, think yeah. we've gone above three for like the last four weeks because of the fact that there's only been a handful of games that have been above four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. As much as everybody says, oh, Jimmy G and the undefeated Niners. Oh, Tom Brady and the undefeated Patriots. Kyle Allen and Teddy Bridgewater are also undefeated as starting quarterbacks this season. Let that sink in. I think Carolina always had the talent. I just don't think their offense suits Cam Newton anymore. It really doesn't. And personally, I think with Teddy Bridgewater and his talent and the fact that the past couple of weeks he's learned how to win your uglier, lower-scoring games, yeah, I would definitely take New Orleans. And I'm going to be honest, if the Saints keep winning and they pull out another one on Soldier Field, I would not be shocked. Not at all. Breeze is due back week nine, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys think that Bridgewater is auditioning for the spot with New Orleans next year, or do you think that Bridgewater's auditioning for the spot somewhere else? Because New I'm Orleans. saying, Go I'm ahead. saying, because I'm saying that if what I said in the preseason when, when I gave my picks when I came on for week one of the, when we did week one of the show, and New Orleans actually does win the Super Bowl, I'm saying Breeze retires and then Teddy takes over in New Orleans. I can see that. I honestly, yeah, I honestly think that's why they traded for him. And another Miami team, another Dolphins team gets screwed out of a good quarterback that does great things in New Orleans. (laughs) That's a painful thing right there. But, yeah, I think Peyton has decided that Bridgewater's the heir apparent, and he's showing that's a good choice. So technically, if what happened with the referees on Monday night happens this week as well, and it's a one-point line, Eric would be a winner on Are You Serious this week. Don't they, you go work in no voodoo. The yeah, team. I was just going to say, then I'd really be uh, questioning what's happening. Look, 
I am neither going to confirm nor deny any usage of voodoo dolls, candles, or any different kind of magic in this household for this particular game. Every little thing she does is magic. <laughs> Carry on, Eric. Every little thing just turned me on earlier today, but again, it's beside the point. <laughs> Fair, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've broken Harry. <laughs> my work is done. <laughs> now, from my Are You Serious? We mentioned this team. Yes, they got a little bit lucky. Yes, they did me a solid favor because <laughs> not only did Kenny Galladay have a big enough performance to put me in the money in FanDuel, but I managed to stay on the island for another week, so it was a double win for me. But that crew ain't going to be sticking around Lambo. And forgiven the soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders, hey, Gruden, I'm with you. Raiders plus four and a half. Quick knocking, Eric. You're waking up the dog. <laughs> hey, see, even Wilford agrees with me. That dog gets more screen time than most of us. <laughs> wait, there's a, wait, there's a screen here. <laughs> All right, I'll go ahead and give my pick now. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead, Brandon. You're closing us up for Are You Serious for the week. Um. So yeah. Um. Threes are wild as the three and three Eagles face the three and three Cowboys, and it's a three point line. Uh, I don't trust the Cowboys. They lost to the Jets, of all teams. Yeah, I'll take the Eagles. <sighs> that entire NFC East is a freaking disaster right now. So is just about the entirety of the AFC it, 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 it's, And it, just about the entirety of the AFC South. The NFC East. The race to mediocrity. Yeah, no shit. The Giant, let, let's put this into perspective, Eric. You're two and four right now and two games behind your division lead. Mm-hmm. We're four and one in a game and a half out of first. Mm-hmm. The Giants are two and four and are a game behind the lead in the NFC East. Oh, oh, and you know what's funny? You know the latest thoughts about who is winning the division? Giants? Not quite. Right now, the Cowboys are still the slight favorite at minus 125, so four to five odds. The Eagles at plus 110, so 11 to 10 odds. The Giants, not too far off or not too bad at only 16 to 1. And if you're inquiring about the Redacteds and their odds of winning the division, please send me your address so I can drive there and smack you in the face. Well, but what's funny about that is in spite of them being one and five, they're only two games out of first place. At one and five, they're as close to the division lead as Jacksonville is. Uh-huh. Bisco, Bisco, yes. 400 to one. Okay. 400 to one. I mean, one. no one expects them to actually do it, but it's still See, possible. I'm half tempted to put down 10 bucks on it happening just because it would make me $4,000. Fair enough. 
Again, Harry or a dress off air? I will make that trip. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get some plugs in and then we'll get out of here. Um, Eric, where can people find you online? Uh, at Squid Sportshead on Twitter. If you're cool and are willing to submit to a vetting process, DM me and I can get you to over to the dark Twitter where there's some extra craziness going on the past couple of weeks. And, uh, yes, there is a now unfortunate lost to the archives episode of Soccer to the Max because my computer hates me. But uh, Rachel Krieger and I are going to be doing a little bit of write-up for our probably incorrect predictions on who's going to win the NWSL playoffs. And you never know. If I can pull a couple of strings, you may see an article with hot takes about what could be a global nations league to be determined. Watch this space. Dun, dun, dun. Double dramatic reverb. <laughs> Ooh, it's, is that like double secret probation? Just about even better. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Brandon, where are you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Gotham at uh, yeah Bisco underscore Gotham SN uh, on Facebook ranting about a bunch of different things uh, throughout different groups. Um, Harry, just be glad that we that we don't do any wrestling stuff right now because you would you, you would have had to deal with my wrath a few weeks ago. Yeah, see. It didn't bother me as much as it bothered some people. Well, yeah. And if you but... guys want, if you guys want to check out the W2M Network's thoughts on that, you can check out that wrestling show with Bill Yankowi. I think it's how it's pronounced. And if if I fucked that up, Bill, then I greatly apologize. No, here's here's my thing. Just real quick here, uh, ATB the Eagle on Twitter. You can find me over there. I'll admit I barely use it. I'm I'm here and there on there. In addition, you can also find me on um, on Facebook, Harry Broadhurst. And by all means, feel free to send me a message. I'm more than willing to talk sports, wrestling, whatever, with anybody that messages me, as long as you're not a complete asshole about it. Here's my thing when it comes to this kind of – the comparison between wrestling and football, especially when it comes to the referee. One of them is a work. Well, yes. The other course. one just – the other one just acts like it sometimes. Fair enough. Oh, I'm not comparing them directly, but I'm just saying. It, it reminded me of it. He's not saying, folks. He's just saying. <laughs> and you know what I'm just saying? Yeah. I'm just saying if you want to follow Jason, he'll tell you to go fuck yourself. But you can find him at TurkaGlue822 on Twitter. I feel like I did that justice. Yeah. Yeah, it was worthy. Very well. Again, Jason's on assignment. We hope to have him back next week. Um, I think that's it. I, I don't think I forgot anything else. I know I tried to get a couple of you guys to go twice on a couple of segments, but, you know, <laughs> again, doing this late at night's kind of throwing me. Look, me going twice in a lot of situations has done Family show! <laughs> That one I'm shutting down real quick. <laughs> Jeebus. All right. 
this has been a I week. Myself with that. <laughs> did he just say he plopped himself? Yeah, did I hear that correctly? Yes, yes, yes you did. You did. <laughs> this is some bitch going insider on us. <laughs> I, I don't I know how like, I feel about going inside baseball on us. I, I, I feel like I feel like Eric knows more about things than he lets on. I know nothing. What y'all talking about? Yeah, the, yeah See, okay. That, that was a perfect opportunity for us and you missed it. You should have Gary Coleman there, just saying. That, thanks Would a lot, uh... Oh, crap. What's his name from Hogan's here? Yeah, I never watched Hogan's Heroes, so... Yeah, at least I get a more timely and current reference that I once had as a Halloween costume a few years ago. And I still have the boots to prove it. And he probably does I don't, it. He probably I don't, uses those for other things now. No, but... No, Bisco! <laughs> It's one thing when I'm having to yell at him and Teasley. You knock it the fuck off. <laughs> Jesus. All right. That's going to do it for us. This has been week seven of season three of the kickoff here on the W2M Network. <coughs> the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And for Eric, Jalen Ramsey's a dick! (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. Heads up, just as an advance notice, prior to week 10 of the NFL, so after week 9, so three weeks from today, will be our mid-season awards. We forego the traditional format of the show other than Survivor and Are You Serious? And instead, we hand out our mid-season awards. In addition, we update our postseason predictions here on the show. So for the on assignment, Jason Teasley, Brandon Biscobing, and Eric Watkins, I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at w 2 Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week.